All right, welcome to Killian's Pub, everybody. Doing another Zoom, which is great because I get to chat with my LA friends now. That's been like the one positive I've taken. Not the one, there's been a few positives, I guess. But of all the shittiness going on in the world with COVID-19 is that a lot of more people are connecting through like websites like Zoom and all that other shit. And it kind of makes it a little more fun in that sense to do a podcast. Let's say you, Megan Gailey. Oh, I get to talk? You do. You know, I, I didn't know I didn't if you had to like... You. I didn't read you what? I just realized I didn't introduce you at all because you and I No, that's why I was like, oh, I'll just say, I, you know, I've definitely jumped in before I've been introduced on things before. And I haven't been yelled at, but I could tell that they didn't love it. All right. Well, everyone, my guest is uh, one of my, I think I've still. Yeah, give me I've some done, credits. Give it I'll some give credits. You, I'll give you some goddamn credits. I still think I've done probably more podcasts with you than anyone because we had a 100%. podcast in which we probably did a couple hundred episodes. And uh, we you, lived together. We did live together for nine months. So you were on my other podcast a bunch that time I because you're a good guest and a lot of convenience there. Someone cancels. Hey, I knock on your bedroom door. Get your ass out here. Let's podcast. You've also uh, been a writer on a few shows. The ESPYs, of course. Anthony Jeselnik's television show. Uh, David Spade's show, uh, which I hope to God comes back because I really liked it. I like Jeselnik's too, but I'll be honest, I only saw like one episode. Uh, that's because Comedy Central needs to get a fucking app already. Anyhow, mm -hmm. that's that's a whole other podcast we could probably do about mm -hmm. how they need to step it up. Mm -hmm. And uh, you have your own Comedy Central half hour, and your debut album recently came out, probably within like what the last six months or so. Yeah. And Almost you know what I love? Exactly six months. How about that? You stuck to a title that you had a decade ago. You said all along you were going to call your first album. My dad paid for this, and you did. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. Megan, I don't think your dad paid for that. Well, the, it's kind of, what is it when it has two meanings? Double entendre? Or did I make that up? Are you having a white claw? I am. I love that. It's You're having lemon. lime? Lemon. Lemon? I'm not the biggest Ew. lemon fan. Well, I it's a, it's a variety. lemon. Yeah, it's uh, not as good. Out, out here in um, white claw land, I feel like LA feels maybe like white claw was like the test, we were the test market. Um, there's no lemon. Our variety packs are lime, grapefruit, black cherry, and raspberry. See, that's a common one. Nicole found a new one that was lime, or no, I'm sorry, lemon, watermelon, which I'm a big fan of. Okay. You, I think, okay. would love watermelon. I love watermelon with alcohol. Yeah. The third one was some kind of like tangerine. It was tangerine, which surprisingly I liked. Oh, uh-huh. Okay, I didn't think I'd okay. like it. So this must be like mango. a new, this must be new flavors. Yeah, they I'm had to excited. They, they had to change it up. Okay, sorry. What were we talking about? I was giving you your oh, credits. Oh, my name, my pot, yeah, my and your album, album name. Well, I did at one point think about calling it Fun Cunt, um, but the the label can I even that seems I feel like Ariana Grande. Um, the label was like that'll be hard to promote. Yeah, I can't see uh, so, Jimmy Fallon no. saying buy her latest album. No, but it, but it, what is nice, it is the type of, like, when people are like, oh, is there anything I can promote for you? I've been doing interviews during COVID, okay? Um, and when I tell them the title, they always laugh. And that was not my intention. But I do like that just the name of it is funny, too. No, it's funny. Yeah, a lot of albums, I mean, I've named mine basic shit just because... I don't like putting that much thought into the album name because I don't think it matters that much. Yeah. But if you could have yeah. an album title that actually does make people laugh, then that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. 
Like, oh, you were saying my dad didn't pay for it. No, he didn't, um, which I thought was funny because yeah. back when you came up with the name, he was paying for everything. He actually had never paid for my rent. Um, I feel like that's a misconception I'd like to clear up. Well, I know um, that. You worked always, at Bridget O'Neill's. Always paid. Yeah, always paid McNeil's. Um, R.I.P. But um, I I feel like emotionally he paid for it. Also. So like financially was supportive and then emotionally supportive. And I did make fun of him a lot in yeah, my stand-up. You did. And I still do. Well, yeah, I, I think, do. you know how every comedian you know, I don't know if you have this, but me, whenever I think of a certain comedian, like your wonderful hu husband, C.J. Taladano, Mm -hmm. He, whenever I think of him, I'll always think one for Belmont. Yeah. Oh, or, one for Belmont. <laughs> but I'm saying every comedian has that one joke yeah. that sticks out. You yeah. have um, the one about your dad getting pissed off because your mom paid for like $70 for a Halloween costume. Yeah. It was Belle from Beauty and the Beast. That one will he, always um, make me laugh. He, he brought that up yesterday. Because I, I proposed we do a Zoom theme. Like, we've been doing a lot of family Zooms. And we did one this weekend for our niece on CJ's side of the family. And it was Toy Story. And she, like, everybody was dressed up. It was so cute for her birthday. And so I was like, we should do a princess, like a Disney-themed Zoom for our... Yeah, that's the hat I wore. I know. I saw you wearing it. Nicole was Jesse for Halloween. I got and a so bull's hat. You were Jesse in the Toy Story theme for uh, CJ. I was Jesse. I was Jesse, and I was so hungover. Um, but I was Jesse. I was there. You're more and of a Jesse than my wife because of the red hair. Yeah. Yeah. I. Well, my niece was being Jesse too, and I was like, "Is it okay if I'm Jesse?" And she was like, "Yes," because I embody Jesse. Perfect. So what was the theme? Your dad brought the whole Belle costume? I wanted to do like a princess theme one. I have tiaras. My nieces all have tiaras and pretty dresses. And my dad was like, you better wear that goddamn costume. And it's like, I don't have it anymore, Dad. But I was a chunky eight-year-old. I feel like I could probably squeeze into it. You know what? I'm jealous of the fact that, not jealous. I mean, that's a stupid way to put it. You had a good TBT recently. Lindsay Adams, a friend of ours, I think she has the best like old school photos because she was like a, an alcoholic she's drug addict. She's from Jersey. And she's yeah. from Jersey. Yeah. So the, the spray tans and the bleached hair and they're always so funny. I'll post a throwback picture from when I was 16 and everyone's like, this was two weeks ago. What are you talking about? Well, I think you got to go younger than that. And like people love TBTs when people are ugly. So I guess you're saying you're jealous that we were uglier as kids. Uh, yes, because it's more okay. of uh, there's a juxtaposition there where yeah. it's like, hey, you look, you're you want to see the evolution. You yeah, there's no evolution yeah. with me. I mean, I'm going to have to do like four year old, five year old photos, I guess. Yeah, that would be cute. You, what if you did, what if you did like a picture of you from an age that like Maddie is now and did like little side by sides? You, you know and Maddie. What? That's a great idea. And I actually did something very similar. I will text you once we're done recording. I found an old picture of myself sitting on my older sister, like in the same crib, and I had Dylan sit on Maddie in the crib, and I took a Aww. picture. So it's like a see that. I just, I mean, there is something that I, we are not parents yet. You are, but there is a phenomenon that I hear comedians talk about where they're like, I post a photo of like, hey, I'm going to be in Albany, and it's like 14 likes. I post a picture of my kid snot dripping out of its stupid face, 7,000 likes. Definitely. That's 100% true. Well, yeah. yeah, people want to see kids, and they feel like, oh, that's cute. And it's also like, oh, you're in a new town every weekend, so it just becomes white noise yeah. and all those same yeah. posts. You know? But I have titties, and so that, that boosts the likes too. 
Yeah, I you also was cleaning out, out my. There. I didn't delete it yet. I'll send it to you before I delete it. I was clearing out my phone when you become a parent. Even I paid for extra gigabytes. I was clearing out my mm-hmm. phone, and there's a picture of you pointing to underboob. You had underboob during your bachelorette party. Oh, great! Yeah, I loved that. Yeah, I, I don't know that. why I have a photo of it in my phone. I think we were trying to go to Chris Bader's bar, who everyone, Chris Bader, Chicago comedian, has been on the podcast. And his bar was like across the street from where we were. And I was like, yeah. I'll text him, see if he could hook it up. And you were like, tell my guy. You took that, show my under tit. That's good. That's, yeah. I was in a right, I was in a good headspace, it sounds like. You were great. You were like an yeah. awesome bachelorette. I mean, granted, it's the only bachelorette part I've ever been on. But looking, <laughs> looking at that, I was part of invited to. But looking at bachelorette parties from afar, usually the bride is super embarrassing or a little you seemed very much like you were partying and you were enjoying the holiday yourself but there was no war i was never worried that you were going to just run away you no. No, yeah you were pretty much staying with the group you know no i was so happy and anyone i was angry with i do remember someone sat on my feet and i kicked them <laughs> <laughs> was it like a random person no, no. one okay. of your friends a former friend. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I think I remember that. Now. I got to throw somebody, which is always fun. I know. You getting to physically assault someone at my bachelorette party is honestly, truly, truly, truly a highlight. Yeah. I kind of, I'm glad to have provided that for you. I didn't it want it. Me, no, no, you were not seeking it out. You were... We we were on the right side of history. This man was on the wrong side of history. But the fact that we had you, I kept being like, oh my God, there's usually large groups of girls like this and they don't have a man with them willing to fight men. That, yeah, I, that I thought that maybe you should create a service where you become muscle for bachelorette parties. Yes, you and CJ, I think both suggested that to me, like some sort of service I could provide. Well, when bachelorette parties become a thing again in 2022 or something, then I'll, I'll yeah. be sure to get that, that business under wraps. Um, one more thing about uh, fun Zoom things. This is for everybody. My family and I, we did a bingo over Zoom. And that was kind of fun. So that's something you might want to try. Who pulled the numbers? Um, it was, you know, Nicole's side of the family. So like one of her sisters pulled the numbers, so... It was fun though. You, and you I, I thought and you I, I didn't think I'd like it, but I liked it. We trusted they, them. We trusted we, them. They were trustworthy. Okay, they weren't rigging the system. If it were me, they'd probably be like, "We don't trust this. We need to see visual. Yeah. Put it up to put yeah. the B nine. Put the B nine right up there. Put the O sixty nine. I went with O sixty nine. Yeah, put it right up there. You know, you, you can't be but fucking. This was a thing. trustworthy person. It Did was. you win? I won one of the games. Yeah, I think we played like four or five. Right. I won one. We didn't really win anything. I mean, it wasn't really. Thing. It wasn't there wasn't a prize? No. Um, it should have been. As I was playing, I remember thinking, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, now that there's no prize, I don't give a shit. Because, you know, I'm, this was, you know, you're watching The Last Dance about the most competitive human being alive. It starts to rub off on you. Have you found yourself yeah. being more competitive? Well, I'm highly, 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 highly competitive. Um, we've been playing like code names, which is, we've been playing like little games on Zoom with friends and stuff. And I, I almost like have to be high or else I get upset. Nice. Didn't you throw, yeah, you have a great story that I remember. Didn't you throw a ping pong paddle at your, not a ping pong paddle. That's the wrong word. A tennis racket at your dad. You threw something at your dad during like a game. I, I yelled at my dad in front of an entire, like 
in front of the entire tennis team and coaches and like high school staff, like screamed at my dad um, from the court. So like far, it wasn't like people overheard it. I was yelling for their viewing. I love your dad. So I, I'm already on his side with this. I know you oh, love I would get in, I would get in like major, I would fight with every girl I played tennis against. But what did your not dad do? Fight. Like a physical well, my dad. No, not physical fights. Oh, yeah, because I can't but see like, you being physical. No, I played high school girls tennis and girls golf. And those are both on, like in professional, they're not honor sports, but in high school, there's no referees. There's no one even like, watching i mean that's so crazy to just be like yeah let's hope these 15 year old girls are being like above bar um there was a girl on on a team with me that would cheat so bad i would like have to golf with her and i would have to be like counting her scores because it's like that's i mean we're children and yeah i would get in fights you're calling your own lines and i would be getting my ass kicked and i would hit a ball out that was probably out but i we were taught to always be like are you sure and then if you like, which is so passive aggressive, yeah, it is. Um, but yeah, it would really like lead to a lot of fights. A girl once threw her racket because of me. That had to feel pretty felt, good. Oh yeah, it felt so good. You got right in that fucking head. That's what you did. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love mind games like that. Woo! I lost. I would lose all the time, so I had to like mentally break them down. You're still the only person I've ever played tennis with. I've only played tennis once in my life. It was really? you. Yeah, remember it was me, Lisa. you, Lisa, and um, Hank Thompson. Yeah, Hank and I still play out in L.A. I mean, pre-COVID, we would play. That's cool. I enjoyed it. I don't know. I grew up around the block from tennis courts, but everyone I knew growing up just played the big four sports. So tennis wasn't really a thing. I started to golf a little bit in high school. Um, but yeah, tennis, I tennis. I, tennis is tough because I do feel like you do need a lesson um or like lessons it's just you can't and like your natural physical abilities you are like oh i'll just wail on the ball and it's like that's unfortunately not what tennis is about or golf it's really so much finesse that's why it's like i remember being like oh man i kind of want to get into this but i didn't know anyone who would play with me constantly you know, anyway, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting my sons involved in like sports like that, that I wasn't that yeah. into because the team sports are, the individual sports are expensive as hell too, but the team sports have gotten so fucking insane with travel mm-hmm. and everything mm-hmm. like that. So I'm like, oh, man, maybe as much as I love sports, part of me is thinking it'd be great if they were like not into them at all. Cause it sounds like a mother theater. Well, they're, they're both into music stuff though. Yeah, but then music, you got, my brother, he was into music. They had to buy him a drum set. You know, like it's, I think children just cost money, Joe. No, I get that. But what kills me is the travel. When I was growing up, you'd play at the park, Yeah, right? Yeah, you'd play at the park. And then if you were good, you got an all-star team. And the all-star team would travel. But now everything travels. I know people who are paying tons of money. And I'm like, you're a kid. And there's no way your kid's an athlete. Because you and your wife are fucking not athletes, you know? Yeah, the only people that traveled like when we were in high school was the hockey team, and they were all rich kids. So yeah, hockey's and, a like, wealthy sport. I think, yeah, and so it was just like, and they just had to travel to find other places to play hockey against. Like we weren't traveling in Indiana because there's the basketball team everywhere you go. It's like yeah, just play these other basketball teams. Yeah, hockey. But tough. golf, we to. would we would go on little golf trips. That was fun, but no, but never outside of the state. Only within the state. 
Yeah, I mean, golf and hockey, there's only so many ice rinks and there's only so many courses. Where basketball, there's indoor gyms everywhere. And tennis, there's courts constantly. So baseball, of course. One of my favorite things about flying is looking out the window and seeing baseball diamonds. You could recognize them from 30,000 feet. It's pretty nice. All right. I definitely, you're the big reason I wanted you on, also just to catch up with you, good to see you, Meggers, is that um, you you had such an interesting, I, I knew going into this documentary how pumped I would be and how many Chicago sports fans and 90s kids in general we're going to be for this documentary, but I've always known you as someone who doesn't like the Chicago Bulls uh, and mm-hmm. Michael Jordan in particular. So I remember thinking, mm-hmm. oh, well, she's not going to like this. I, I assume you'd watch it though. You tweeted like maybe in between the first two episodes, what was I thinking? I love this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what made you flip the switch so quickly? I think it was only after one episode you were into it. Um, so I wasn't going to watch it at all. Just to out, just to be like spiteful. Not that anyone like needs me to, but like my husband clearly was like one of the most excited people about it. And so I was just trying to be kind of, you know, trying to get into people's head by being like, I'm not going to watch it. And then I watched the first one with him and we also sort of made it kind of become an experience for us. Like since there are no sports, we would, it was like, what are we going to eat Sunday night to watch? Like it became kind of um, appointment viewing for us, but then the whole day was sort of planned around it. And so when I saw the first one, I, it's, you know, it's talking about him as a kid and it's pre all of the like winning, winning and really just shows, oh yeah, this person did not have it easy forever. They were not born the greatest one. They made themselves into that. And I loved his mom. I think she is so sweet and cute. I loved seeing him as a young kid. And like, I wasn't, I wasn't just watching him beat the pacers. I was like watching him as a human being and hearing his story. And you forget, at least I did, he was so hot. Like he's my type, he's hot. And so seeing him be hot, I was like, oh, I guess I never like allowed that in. And then I just sort of had to deal with all of these things of like why I was so mad at him. And some of it stems from him beating the team, but some of it also stems from the fact that I never got to watch him play, but my brothers did get to watch him play. And I was supposed to, we were on our way down to the game. My brothers and dad went down earlier to play basketball on at market square which it's like my dad must have done something evil for that to get hooked up and so (laughs) they were down there and we were leaving the house with my grandmother and my great aunt and my great aunt fell down the stairs broke her ankle i had to call 911 and the four ladies we all went to the hospital and my brother and dad my brothers and dad stayed at the game and got to watch him play and then i never did And so there was just, and also I think like, as I've grown as a human and a sports fan and and last night, they showed some of it, like a lot of hatred in Indiana about sports figures does feel like there are some angry racial undertones. And so there were people that it felt like, oh yeah, hate this person. And and there were grownups around me that took such glee in hating them. And that glee is, oh yeah, they beat your team. But also I think in some ways I feel more at liberty to hate this person so openly because they are a black person in power. Oh, wow. I didn't even think of it that way at all. I mean, well, it's just really like, you I know, don't doubt you, what you're saying. Now but, but it's whoa. like, 
I love Iverson. No one in Indiana liked Iverson. It was like, this guy's crazy. You know, all of these athletes that like Kobe, for example, like, and some of them, yeah, there were like reasons to not like them or whatever, but it was just like, okay, but why do all the old white people I know hate all of the other black people in the world, but the ones on the Pacers and the Colts? That seems kind of strange to me when they would love a John Stockton. Like it just, I think as I've grown up that that's just a sad realization I've had to come to. Yeah. I think you, you, it's funny you mentioned Iverson who the Iverson has a great documentary about himself. That was more of a 30 for 30, I think, or maybe it's just an hour long documentary. The guy who directed that directed this. And that's why Jordan chose him because Jordan loved Iverson's documentary. And, and I think this guy did a wonderful job. I mean, I was thoroughly impressed with how well it was shot. Uh, yeah. I am. Um, I, I love 30 for 30s. So even if it's like content that I'm not necessarily that into, just sports documentaries are some of my favorite films and things to watch. So just from that standpoint, I was going to I was going to be into it. And there's no sports happening right now. So watching this felt like reliving the games in a lot of ways. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, speaking of 30 for 30s, you got a nice little piece of hate watching coming up with the Lance Armstrong one. I think that's like in a couple of weeks. Well, and I've got some like, uh, I, I don't know Lance's first wife, but I like my, I know someone who is like family with her. Um, and yeah, so I, and he like Indianapolis is such a huge part of that story too, because that's where he was diagnosed and treated. Oh, I did not know um, that. So all of those doctor, yeah, his he has the same oncologist that my dad has. Like he, Lance Armstrong is like very much a part of the Indianapolis. It was really like a badge of honor for IU Med Center for a long time. I think it probably still is. They didn't make him, you know, do. You know, I mean, he was a uh, bad guy in the cheating and all the scandalous stuff, but he still did donate real money. And a lot of it was like 500 yeah, million to cancer. He did have cancer and he yeah. did beat it. He it's did beat just, it. Um, oh, another thing about Jordan too, like looking when it was, um, you always hear like, he's not nice. He's not a nice guy. He's mean. He's a dick. He's a bad guy. And then when I like watched him and watched those examples of it, I was like, oh, I'm mean the same way. Like it's maybe it's mean to normal people that are like not in, not, not that sports and stand-up are the same, but, like, it's, there's, there is no HR for either one of them. So, like, you're, you have to be around people you hate, you're around people you love, you're drinking, you're traveling. There's just, like, a lot more that happens than, like, a nine-to-five year in an office. And, yeah, we're all mean. Like, we're friends because you're mean. CJ's mean in funny ways. Like, we are mean in the same way that I think he is mean. Yeah, I thought of it, the, I think it was in episode one, or maybe episode two, where he's getting fitted for something, like a microphone or something, and a French guy asked for an autograph. Yes. When they were in that Paris tournament. And he yeah. would just kind of gave like a look. And the guy was like, not now. Like his like assistant or whatever. Yeah. And I thought like, yeah, that seems plausible to be like, dude, I mean, like, I got a lot of shit going yeah, on right now. Right. Like, and then it made me think of, there was, uh, in that documentary comedian, you ever see a comedian, the Seinfeld documentary? No. You'd mm-hmm. like it. It's pretty good. It's about him coming back to stand-up after doing the show, and he really hadn't done stand-up in like eight years or something. Anyway, there's this scene where it was his first night headlining on the road. He was doing in his first weekend doing like an hour again after getting rid of all his material, so he's building it up. So he was, he's nervous. You see the nerves. He's like, I haven't done an hour of new shit in forever. 
and it's at the DC Improv, which I've been to, and I know how tight that green room is. It's uh, right off like the back where like the crowd kind of comes in. It's like that first door, and the one like waiter or host or something's like maybe it's an assistant manager saying, "All right, blah 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 blah." He's like, "Can I get a picture with you?" He's like later like it's just kind of like you could see them in my fucking head like i'm going over notes meticulously and i think the mm-hmm. average person like you were saying they don't i don't think they don't realize how much brain power goes in to trying to be awesome at something that most people aren't awesome at like you can't mm-hmm. just this idea that like i think because these great athletes make it look easy but no they're thinking about that big game all day long all day long their brain is like this is what i have to do this is what happens with this happens they do this defense we should do this and that's like their head so when they're like nah i don't feel like signing or stopping right now people should fucking Mm -hmm. respect that shit but they don't yeah because so like the the quote-unquote like negative knocks against him are are the gambling and then when i like watched the gambling in those episodes i was like everybody is so fucking doll like it's like yeah just whatever he is a mega 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 gazillionaire and he's highly competitive and he likes to bet and it's like fine and is he sometimes betting with shady people for sure and so when i saw that i was like okay i the gambling is stupid i was also like so mad at myself when i saw um how how negative and how nasty those rumors about like his gambling caused his dad's murder i was like oh my god i can't believe that i've ever perpetuated that like even even if like have before like even if that is true which i don't believe it is it's just like so fucked up to comment on how someone's parent was taken from this world and like to place blame on them like i, I do think that Kobe dying definitely changed for me personally how I analyze and talk about and deal with famous people and my dislike of them. Well, I mean, they're human beings, you know? And and it was amazing the press during that 93 season. And I had known because I met someone who said, oh, no, he was talking about retiring before they won that third one. He was hinting at it the whole season. And in that interview with Ahmad Rashad, where he was wearing sunglasses, which was kind of a weird choice, uh, because it made people think, is he out all night gambling? Why is he wearing sunglasses? Or he said, you know, when I walk away from this game, and who knows when that be? That could be next year. People were like, really? Could that be next year? People thought he was bluffing. But no, there was a lot of stress. And the press that year, for whatever reason, was like, we need to find dirt on this guy. We need to, like, because up until then, he was this, you know, black Jesus as Reggie Miller called him, and as LeBron has called Squeaky him, actually. Clean. Squeaky mm-hmm. clean guy. And, and you're right. Like, a lot of people forget he's a good-looking dude. He's a very mm-hmm. handsome, striking man. And very charismatic, carries himself very confidently and charismatically. You know, he's got swagger, for sure. He definitely does. And what I also like about the documentary a lot, and you you know me for a long-ass time. Of course, I'm a diehard Michael Jordan fan. I grew up in Chicago during the 90s. It was so much fun to watch, and what made him special was this was at the height of the NBA's popularity. Like, I mean, the NBA is huge right now as, as it should be, but the ratings were just fucking through the roof. I saw like a chart was like a bar graph of the ratings for the NBA finals every year from like 1980 till last year. And there's a huge spike the years of the mm-hmm. Bulls three peats because he was just, again, he was this phenomenal person is that Jordan seemed to always find a way to overcome the hype because there was so much hype going into those finals. I remember like Jordan versus Barkley, Jordan versus this. And at the end of it, you'd walk away going, well, that was better than I thought. 
And I remember some reporter saying, I think it was Mark Gian Greco. It was like a local guy that you probably know. I feel like you knew a lot mm-hmm. of the local sports mm-hmm. reporters. He said that if Michael Jordan, if you didn't know anything about sports and Michael Jordan walked into a room, you'd be like, that's somebody. Yeah. I don't know who that is, but that is yeah, somebody. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, and some of that is like height. <laughs> like, yeah. Being like, six, six definitely makes you go. You're, hmm. If you're tall and hot, it's like, you're somebody. I don't know. Maybe you're a model. Yeah. I, yeah there's I, um, a good point. There's not a lot of tall, hot losers out there. Are there? Nah. But if you're no. a tall, hot loser, you fucked up somehow. Well, there actually, I feel like there are quite a bit of like, some of the biggest losers I know are tall men because they have not been forced to have any other skills in their life. I'm only six you know, one. They were just okay. Tall. Yeah. Six one. No, I'm talking like six three, probably and above. Okay. Okay. I probably know a few people you're talking about. Probably some yeah, absolutely. A lot. Of, I mean, there's some tall comedians that have just wasted their height on being on stage. Yeah. Like I, I height is a cool thing to have, but uh, as far as being a comedian goes, I guess any stage presence is what it does mm-hmm. for you, right? Mm-hmm. Other than that, right? You know. Um, but I think you if th- you're like if you're like a five six man, but you're funny, you're gonna do a lot better in life than you if you were five six and not funny. Oh, definitely. Well, yeah, because it's, I think, I, I've, whatever your trait is, not trait, but whatever skill or talent you have, if you lean into it, you'll be okay. I remember mm-hmm. I was with Steve Byrne, we were doing the Des Moines Funny Bone, and there was a bunch of local Des Moines comics that came out, and Steve's such a nice guy, he'll give guest spots. So he gave guest spots to them all weekend long. I think it was like Sunday night, and Steve and I were trying to get this one dude to just talk to women, because we could tell he was the shy one of the group. And he's like, I don't know how to do that. I'm not, I'm not one of those, hey, what's up, girls, type, type of guy. And we're like, first of all, that's a dude in a movie. Nobody's really that fucking guy. Excuse me. <clears throat> oh, right my God. You know what's gross about that one is I smelled it before I burped. It was a bad one. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Megan. You know what? I should just burp right into the mic. I turned away. And then when I came back, the burp was still there. And yeah, but, but you didn't even put the mic down. Like, why didn't you just, like, put the mic down a little bit? I don't. I have headphones or on. Or move it away. Have you ever burped into a microphone? You burped into a microphone, right? Yeah. A cool sound. No. No? All right. Well, no. So Bert and I were telling <laughs> this guy. And I'm like, dude, don't be that guy because you'll be being fake. Whatever you're into, you just have to be into it, be confident about it. I that's my advice for any dude out there if you're trying to pick up a woman. If you're like if you're a shy guy, then but but be confident in being a shy guy. Don't go out there trying to be something you're not. Have you seen the movie Eighth Grade? I have not. I think you would really like it. But there's a really cute scene at the end and there's a kid who's just like a total, total, total dork. Um, and he like has a quote unquote date where this girl comes over and eats McDonald's chicken nuggets at his house. And he has like eight different kinds of dipping sauce. And even this eighth grade girl, it's like, yeah, that is cool. You know, like yeah. he's a dork, but like he loves chicken nuggets and he loves sauce. And like, I do too. Yep. There's always something that, out there for everybody. And that was, that was his, those were his moves. Hell yeah. Uh, you just got to be creative. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was going to ask you what was your move in eighth grade, but I don't know if you would need one. I, um, I got my braces taken off right before eighth grade. So I was like a feeling myself. You know, I lost my acne summer going into freshman year and that's when mm-hmm. confidence mm-hmm. shot up, you know? Mm-hmm. It's always mm-hmm. a fun feeling, right? You gotta lose. I think eighth like grade, that. eighth grade was probably my. Well, let me office. fix my headphone jack right here. 
There we go. Is that better? Yeah. All right, cool. Um, CJ Sorry. All right. Let me ask you this. Uh, I know you're big into heartfelt stuff. We talked about Jordan's dad and everything like that. And yeah, shit, that really got me a lot. Um, being a dad now, you watch stuff differently. Like Megan, when you become a parent, there's just so many things that like never would I would have thought was like, oh, that's cool. But now mm-hmm. that I have kids, it's like, ah, like I was watching mm-hmm. the movie Sing with my son. Have you ever seen Sing? No, but I want to. Anyway, there's a great scene in Sing where I could get rid of it. I could, um, well, let me move something here. This fucking cord is in my way. Uh, there's a great scene in Sing where the, uh, I'm blanking. All right, that's animals. So just so you know, not the pig. The yeah, pig is sung oh, by I love the pig. Reese Witherspoon is the one. Um, I don't even need the headphones now. Sorry, I was recording extra on this. And then, of course, like the fucking battery was getting low. So I'm like, I don't even need it. Just a backup in case this fucks up. But oh, uh, I love when you I love when you have podcast um, tech problems. Well, you know what the fucking problem watch. is? Yeah, here we I've, go. Yeah. Had, <laughs> yeah, get into it. <laughs> I've had two problems um, like the last fucking two years. And you and CJ were in one of them. That was because it was the first time I traveled with anything and I forgot like half my cords, like a dipshit. And um, and the other one was with I did one with Lisa recently, and that was totally fine. I had another one with uh, Marty DeRosa, where it was the first time I ever attempted to do a podcast over Zoom. It was with Marty DeRosa. We did like a two-hour podcast where we were laughing the whole time. Marty was just high as hell. I had enough drinks in me where I was being like a good amount of like silly. And then I looked and I'm like, oh fuck, I don't think I recorded any of this. Yeah. We had, we were doing one during quarantine with CJ's friend who's very successful and was doing us kind of like a favor by being on the podcast and um, it didn't record and we didn't realize until the very end and CJ was like so devastated and I was totally fine and he's like, how are you just like fine with this? I'm like, I live with Kilgallen and I've seen this happen. (laughs) I know that this happened. You just got to keep on moving. Yeah, I keep fucking up. I even said to Nicole beforehand, I was like, I got to go get ready to podcast with Gailey. And she's like, oh, I thought you weren't doing that till 930. And I said, oh, no, I, I want to make sure everything's ready to go. I'm going to clear a bunch of space on the hard drive and do a bunch of that other stuff. But instead, I fuck with the lighting and try to make that just right, which I didn't do that well of because... Well, I look. Th- I can't believe people are going to see this. Oof. You know, it's been nice, though, because it films it, too. So you could cut up a nice little clip and throw that on Instagram. I'd yeah, give me a filter. Give me a filter. I'll see if I could do that. I'll brighten you up somehow. Let's see, can I do a filter right now on you? I got this. Well, and I've got the Zoom thing on where... Here we go. Now I'm a little brighter. All right, before we get back into the Jordan documentary, you you have a podcast called The Greatest, mm-hmm. which is fucking an awesome concept a great idea very jealous myself and a comedian kevin bozeman were in the works to do something similar and you guys launched yours and i was like i'm so sorry no, it was just it was parallel thoughts obviously i didn't know you it wasn't even that. it wasn't even our idea they came to us oh that's <laughs> awesome to, I guess. Uh, well whoever came up with it good on them i'll let them know yeah let them know um and then we were like, oh, we could do a thing called like Mount Rushmore where we do a Mount Rushmore of this on each episode. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. some dickheads already have that fucking name. I don't even know how regularly they podcast. I should steal it. <sighs> what can you do? But anyway, it's a great idea. I love it. Uh, you two had maybe the greatest wedding 
of all time. Uh, Ryan Dalton and I were Thank talking you. about that when he was on the episode a few weeks ago. Super fun wedding. Uh, I realize I love destination weddings now uh, because it's like a vacation. Yeah. And a lot of your friends are there. So it's like- Yeah, cool. you're on vacation with your friends. Which is like you rarely yeah. do, you know? And ours was like a, um, I think the kind of wedding it's called is called like California destination. So you're not like, you know, half of our guests didn't have to fly anywhere. They just had to drive from LA to Palm Springs. But then the people that were flying in, they're coming into the desert in the middle of winter. And so it absolutely does feel like a destination wedding. Yeah. I love that you had in December. Beautiful. Yeah. We really lucked out. CJ... CJ keeps calling our wedding a buzzer beater. Um, oh, because what's going yeah. on now? Well, yes. a, a friend of mine who you've met a few times, my buddy John Dank, he was a groomsman at my wedding. He was set to get married in uh, Cartagena on April 1st. Oof. Yeah, so that got backed up. It's tentatively rescheduled for October 23rd. Uh, I hope. I know. And so, like, a lot of people, this wedding was going to be crazy, though, because it was Columbia for... yeah. We're, it was like five, six days, and, right. um, and a lot of those dudes I don't trust in Columbia. You've met a lot of my high school friends. That's bad news. You, you're talking hookers. I'm, or, you know, I'm talking them trying to Drugs. Re- redo the movie Blow, you know? Gotcha, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what I do mm-hmm. with those schools. But uh, so, yeah, that didn't happen. Don't know when it's going to go down again. I'm already annoyed because... Uh, I did like a split thing to save some money. I was fine one way with JetBlue, another way with Delta. Delta hasn't paid me back yet. No, Delta's not paying back. I had a flight. uh, I was supposed to go to DC at the end of March for shows. And they were like, here's a credit. Yeah, I know. But what's killing me about the credit, which is like fine, still sucks rather the cash back, is that they keep telling me, oh, we don't know how much the amount's for. I'm like, it should be for the fucking amount that I paid for the goddamn ticket. What does that mean? I don't know. I'm having like fights with them about it. It's really annoying me. So that's that's motherfucker. Every um, we had we were supposed to go to a wedding the March March like thirteenth, uh, like the weekend that it all started sort of shutting down, and then I had um, a wedding in this month that we were supposed to go to, and then we had one in October, and they've all been. Mm-mm. They've all been no surreys. So it's tough. I mean, CJ and I, obviously our wedding felt so fun and special to us. And now it feels that much even more, like we're that much more grateful because if it would have been a few months another way, we wouldn't have been able to have it. But we got, we are having, we got like a write-up about the wedding that comes out on Friday. And I'm like, God, people are going to be like, fuck you. But right up in what? The New York Magazine. Oh, fuck yeah. Well, you said so, I would know immediately. New York no. Magazine. Who else writes about wedding? Um, a lot of people, but they, so they like told us when, right when we got married, the wedding planner was like, so-and-so's reached out. They want to do a profile on it. We'll circle back. And then like, I didn't hear anything, didn't hear anything. And then the pandemic happened. And I was like, well, I can't like ask where my wedding profile is. And then she um, texted and was like, okay, they weren't going to do profiles because the world is, you know, in a very sad, bad place, especially wedding wise. Um, But now they're still doing it. And I was like, I didn't want to ask, but thank God this is happening for me. A dream come true I didn't even know I had. 
Well, I think everybody who knows you knew that your wedding was going to be amazing uh, for a, a few reasons. One, look at this hair, by the way. Look at this fucking mop. CJ shaved his head. Did you see? I did see that. Maybe I might have to go that I Well, I did it. I shaved it. Was it fun? Um, yeah, it actually was pretty fun. And it was like, it was uncovering what shape his head will be. What do you mean, will I, be? I didn't know. You think he'll be bald I, one day? No, you, no, no, no. Like, some people have fucked up head shapes. Oh, I got And it. he had so much hair, and I didn't know. I've never seen him bald. And when I did it, I was like, you got a beautiful shaped head, sir. Beautiful head. I used to get a lot of crew cuts. That was my look for a good chunk of my life. But I don't know. I just felt like I hit a certain age. I'm like, I don't want to go back to that. But now would be the time. But also now's the time to grow it out because why do I need yeah. it short? And I've never grown. This is the like, I'm getting close to the longest I've ever had my hair. And, and I want to see how far I can go. I'm getting very, very close. My hair is now long enough to cover my nipples, which has been an absolute dream of mine since childhood. <laughs> I can't believe you've never achieved that before. I got like really, really close. Um, I think I got almost there in college at one point. Yeah. I would have thought one of those but Chicago it, like, winters, you know, just let it. But like, look, I mean, think how much your hair is bothering you. Like, this is a, a lot. Just like, I mean, it's very Manson family right now, too. Like, I just look like a girl. But this with, is a David, this is a David Letterman um, from Wrigley Field shirt. Oh, yeah, look at that. Does they have, like, the rule, the 10, top 10 on the back? No. Oh, uh, because they used to do these late night at Wrigley Field things, yeah. but they'd have the, the Cubs top 10 on the back, which were pretty dope. I've seen that one. I've seen that one. Your hair, though, is, like, long female hair. My hair is, like, throwing out. Like, fluffy. Uh, yeah, fluffy. Yeah, it's like, so I'm dying to know if I keep going, will it eventually fall down? It will, yeah. Because I I've think always... you should just keep, I think you keep going. Might as well, right? See what it's like at yeah. the end of this shit. You know, when I was younger, when I was like nine, I wanted a ponytail because mm -hmm. the green the green Power Ranger had a ponytail and I wanted to be like him. But I just okay. don't think I could. Wasn't he Asian? No, uh, the yellow Power Ranger was Asian. Duh. And then the oh, black yeah. Power Ranger was black. Oh, okay. Well, and the red seems... Power Ranger was Native American. It just... Really? Now, I made up the red one, but the yellow and the black were definitely what I said they were. Mm. Mm -hmm. uh, no, I definitely, uh, I was asking though, because your wedding was fantastic. So it was, it was like the goat of weddings. And, uh, and I've been to some really kick-ass weddings. So that's yeah. pretty special. You two are now quarantined together. This yeah. quickly into your marriage. This is a we've great spent, test. We've spent half of our marriage in quarantine. So this is almost like when you hit your one year anniversary, it'll really be like a three years of time, essentially. I th I do think so. And at the beginning of quarantine, we were getting a lot of like, how are the newlyweds texts? Um, I definitely think this could be very frightening for a fragile young couple. But for me personally, I can't speak for him. It has solidified that CJ is my ride or die number one dog for life. He is so funny and cool and he helps me a lot. And if I was in here alone, it'd be bad. It'd be really, really bad. Yeah, see, I thought about having you both on, but he deserves an episode unto himself. Yeah, well, and I think he, he wouldn't necessarily say what I just said, um, but I'm like, 
oh yeah, I feel like I really hit the jackpot. But I also, if anything were to ever happen, I think anyone who is married and went through this time, we just get like a pass. Oh, it's yeah. just like, oh yeah, they, yeah, they got divorced, but they were locked inside together for undetermined amount of months. Like it just, I don't want, I mean, there's going to be people I'm going to hate on, but I don't want anyone hating on me if, CJ eventually gets tired of me and kicks me to the curb. This is pretty unprecedented what we're going through. Like, yeah. it's history. We're living in a moment of history, which, are, you know, we have, of course, throughout our lives with 9-11, Iraq, and all sorts of President Obama and Trump and all this shit. But it's, it's so bizarre in so many mm-hmm. levels. And, yeah, I still don't know what to make of it. Um, it's definitely been like one of those things where there's been stretches where I'm like, this is great. I have worn mm-hmm. sweatpants every day. Uh, I'm spending so much time with my kids. I love it. And then there's days where I'm like, this is awful. I mm-hmm. want to go to a bar very badly. I mm-hmm. want to be at Wrigley Field. I want to be on stage again, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, so I don't know. It's this back and forth. I'm glad that nurses, your mother, my wife are finally mm-hmm. being appreciated the way they probably always have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the let me ask you this because i i was you know we were roommates for a good like eight or nine months or something like that and uh you famously were not the best of flushers you that's your favorite flush. it's like you don't even have a variety of go-to jokes like no you know why joke yeah because it's because it bothered you the first time and now after a while you're like is that mm. true and i don't know i made enough people laugh on a certain tweet where i'm like i'm gonna stick with this maybe kind of- uh i i pee clear though dog because you are you you are well hydrated. I love to hydrate. My oh, I my, love to pee clear. My my three year old Maddie yesterday, he finished his, like a gulp of water and he's like, all right, let's go back and do because we're doing sidewalk chalk and like I brought him in to you know have a snack. And he's like, let's go back. I'm hydrated. And I literally was oh. like, where did you learn that word? And I texted Nicole. I'm like, do you say hydrate around him? And she's like, no. I don't know where he picked it up though. Maybe TV. Sesame Street is almost talking about staying hydrated or? Yeah, I had a kid say to me this weekend, let me tell you something. <laughs> I, just love, I just love when they use big kid, like grown up phrases. You know what he's been saying to you that's really cracking me up? Is that he'll say, you think you're right, when it's just his way of being like, you're wrong. Um, well, that is, he is putting you it back on the person. Yeah, it's really my, ne- my nephew Bobby, who you who you met at the wedding, he was screaming on kindergarten Zoom over and over again. Pablo Escobar. Maybe he'll come. I'll bring him to Colombia with me when I finally go. I'm like, where? and my and then like at one point he said like demonic treasure, and my brother's like, I have no idea. I have no idea where he learned Pablo Escobar. My brother does not watch Narcos. He just, he, he like heard Pablo Escobar at some point and like thought it was so funny. And like, he'll, he'll laugh when he says it, but just yelling Pablo Escobar. Has he said, has he said the F word yet? Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, I was not even mad at Maddie. I wasn't there. Nicole told me about it, but it made me laugh because it was in the right context. They were at mm-hmm. Portillo's and Nicole's sister was like pouring something, but she like messed it up. And he, he said, this is the exact sentence. He goes, what the fuck are you doing? No. Yes. So that's like truly you. I know. Uh, so I, I, Nicole was like, that's definitely sounds like you. And I go, yeah. you know what? I think I say that in the car. Whenever someone cuts me off, I go, what the fuck yeah. are you doing? 
And I'm like, ah, mm-hmm. oh, shit, now I have to watch my mouth around him. But Nicole swears, too. People always think she's the sweet and innocent. But every now and then, I'll be like, language. I've never heard Nicole, Nicole swear. She will. She will. Like I've it. never even heard, like, a mean word come out of her mouth. She doesn't have a lot. She doesn't have a lot. No. But she, she will drop some swear words here there. She's not mean, though. It'll be a swear word in the sense where it's like, I have to deal with, like, all this fucking paperwork or all this fucking yeah. stupid shit or... My boss doesn't want to do a fucking she schedule. She directs it at inanimate objects. Yeah. And yours is like pointedly like directed at someone's like biggest insecurity. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. A, it's an evil skill I feel like I have. I think you have that too though, right? Maybe a, a lot of comedians have that where we could just yeah. hit them where it hurts. Yeah. Yeah. It's something you gotta, you really have to keep very deep hidden in your back pocket because if you bring it out all the time that's not good that's very scary no yeah i know i've uh i've gotten better in some regards just you get when you get older like like when we're talking about your bachelorette party five years earlier i would have just punched that guy right in the face right away Mm -hmm. i actually talked Mm -hmm. to him i was like dude this Mm -hmm. isn't this is a private area like this is for this party you're not part of this they got we got bottle service here we can't you know you're not invited you got to and then he got real fucking, I can't hear you, man. What'd you oh, say? It's like, ooh, oh, you yeah. fucking heard me, dude. That's what really said. Yeah. You know? Well, it's got to be tough for you because, I mean, we all meet people every now and then that actually, like, the cure to what they need is getting their ass kicked. And I'm never going to kick anyone's ass. But you, you probably see someone and you're like, they're in need. I've got the medicine for the symptoms they're displaying. I'm a doctor. I'm going to whoop their ass into being a better person. That's you're one hundred percent right, Megan. And I'm glad you I'm glad you see it that way. Because there are so many people who saw it where it's like, oh, you're a loose cannon, you gotta control yourself, you're a hothead, blah, 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 blah. But as we get older, I've calmed down and people now see it where it's like, hey, dude, do that thing. Go go beat mm-hmm. that person up. I'm like, no, I don't do that anymore. I've been yeah. controlling my temper, been trying to be more like at peace, only focusing on what I can control. And they're like, well, fucking. But don't go. We hate Somebody that. needs to whoop their ass. Yeah. There needs to be you're a balance like, in the um, universe. You're like the guy in Major League. Like, as, you know, uh, the sequel when he's all zen. Oh, yes. That? That's um, you. Uh, Pedro Serrano, when he's no longer like Joe yeah. Blue, but he's more like. Yeah. And then yeah, the, he's doing like meditating. And, and then the Japanese left fielder tells me he's got small balls. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Underrated from franchise. Underrated. I feel like major league. The, too, the sequel. Yeah, I think the sequel's a little underrated. Yeah, I like oh, it. Wesley Snipes made a mistake by not being in it. Yeah. Omar mm-hmm. Epps took over that role. And I love Omar Epps too. Who doesn't love Omar Epps? So these oh, past God. two, I want to get your opinions on the past two episodes of The Last Dance, the final two, in particular, mm-hmm. because of course the episode. Nine focuses heavily on the Indiana Pacers. And that was a stacked team. I forgot that Jalen Rose was off the bench on that team. That's how stacked they were. The Davis brothers were big. I remember that. I forgot about McKee was good. I think he was off the bench too. Rick Smith, 7-4 Dutchman. Reggie Miller, Hall of Famer, of course. Amazing shooter. Who I think with the way the game is now would be even better in today's game. I don't Mm -hmm. say that about every player, Mm -hmm. but the way the game is now being such a heavily three-point shot game i feel like he's just a pure and just like a pure shooter yeah just so good at shooting and he was like i don't want to say 
pure shooter and make it seem like he didn't play defense because he did play defense and he was scrappy and crazy. And then he would do the mental defense too, where he would get in your mind, John Stark style, and just make you have a full blown meltdown, which is its own form of defense as well. You think? Yeah. So, hmm. No, go I'm sorry. Please. I was going to say that. I'm glad you brought that up because that was his style. It was scrappy. It was in your face, all that kind of stuff. Do you think that style of defense is gone? I don't know. I can't think of anyone who's an example of that. I just now, even like watching these and seeing the scores in the finals and it's like 94 to 98. It's like, that's so crazy. Every game now is 120. And it, and I, and I know that it's, I don't want to be like one of those people that's like, they should let them kill the quarterback. Like, obviously, in the NFL, I, I realize why things are more high scoring and why you have to protect people. But in the NBA, it does bum me out that there are, it, that you know, there's just players, superstars that don't play defense at all. James Harding couldn't guard his own lunch. I swear that and guy played just, zero D. Yeah, it's, it sucks because when you look at, when you see this like last dance footage, it's like, wow, it's just so different. It's just a, and not that the game is like less fun now. It's probably more fun now because there's more shooting, but it's like, how are some of you, Benny, like I love Ben Simmons. I loved his documentary, but like, how are you this bad at shooting? And yet no one is playing defense on you either. I a hundred percent agree. And and I want to I want to be clear too because I think we're kind of on the same thought where it's like we we like that but that doesn't mean we hate right now because I think no right- love right now I just wish there was like defensive specialists maybe on each team still and there was a few of those guys recently I mean Tony Allen was a guy like that for a while Danny Green uh, was San Antonio was kind of like a defensive specialist or st- some here or there Richard Jefferson late in his career kind of became that what well yeah Draymond is obviously. Yeah, he's a good is defender. Really who, the only person that like comes to mind of like the superstars now who also like is is more defense than scoring. Yeah, Kawhi Leonard will lock down a guy yeah. come playoff mm-hmm. time. But no, I know what you're saying, and I get it. And a lot of this is just our fucking world we live in now with like the Twitter and instant reaction shit and all that. I could say I don't like something in today's game, and then people are like, "Oh, well, you just like all the old shit." And it's like, no, that. I, when you compare two things and you say they're different, it doesn't mean one's better mm-hmm. than the other. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that at all. I, and when it comes to eras and stuff like that, I think music was better in the nineties, but I think television is way better today. So what does that make me? You know, like I, I think it comes, it goes by certain things. I football think it makes you a dad. Yeah. But like, really? But like, <laughs> I think football, I, I know what you're doing. I think football is more exciting as a passing game. When we were growing up, it was a running game. Yeah. In the 90s, it was all running. Early 2000s, it was such a more of a running game. Like, who do you guys had? Uh, Marshall Falk and Edgar James. And Edge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, though, there were so many bigger running backs in those days where now I feel like it's such a passing league. I like it better as a passing league. Although pass interference penalties are fucking bullshit. They got to fix that a well, little bit. Y- yeah, and I think – some of that was kind of forced on the NFL in the sense of running backs just started breaking down and like the, they can't get hit. Like the running quarterback is, is so it 
is such an issue now of like, yeah, Lamar is like so exciting and awesome, but like you don't want him to come become RG3 in sense of like injuries. And so then you kind of have to like pull him back and not let him run so much because there is a fear that he could get hurt, even though he is so exciting to watch. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. I mean, running backs are interesting because every now and then I'll hear a name where I'm like, holy shit, I forgot that person existed. And they were like yeah. a multiple pro bowler. Here's a yeah. name. I'm I mean, throw Todd, this. Todd Gurley got cut. He's, go- he's not on the Rams. Gone. That's a great example, too. Here's another one. I'm going to name a name, and you're going to be like, oh, my God, I forgot they existed. Sean Alexander. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that's someone who was like a stud. I think he had like a touchdown record one year with the, with the Seahawks. There are so many guys like that um, on all these different teams where I'm like, fuck, I forgot about that person. Remember Larry mm-hmm. Johnson with Kansas City? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I remember going, oh, there's a football mm-hmm. Larry Johnson. I'm not just a basketball one. So, yeah, they have like a four-year, five-year window. And shelf, life. Hear, yeah, yeah. shelf life. Well, yeah, playing. because I think Christian McCaffrey got like a giant, giant deal this year. and But it was just giant in terms of that position. Like it's nowhere yeah. near what, what even defensive ends make in some ways. Just because that's a position that you can play a lot longer and have a lot more durability. Oh, yeah. I mean, Julius Peppers is like 36 or something and was still yeah. on a high level. Yeah. I think he's done now. And I only think I know that because his wife was on Football Wives. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she was hot. And all the other wives hated her. That's what I love about talking sports with you. I mean, you, you obviously had a lot of knowledge on a lot of stuff, but you always knew wives and like mm-hmm. coaches and assistant coaches. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, oh, that was, the, that was the offensive coordinator for, like, the Browns from these years. I'm like, how the fuck do you know? Well, I mean, what? Well, and I'm in, like, I'm in multiple Real Housewives, like, group threads where, you know, we just, like, text about Real Housewives. And they've been, like, popping about Larsa Pippen. You know, like, they're, like, that is relevant to them. She was a Real Housewife of Miami, and now Scotty's on TV a bunch again. And so, like, I, I just think that sports has an entry point for every person. It's just a matter of finding what it is. Yeah. Scotty Pippen's daughter, I saw her play volleyball. She played against my sister when my sister was like a junior or senior in high school. Phenomenal. Easily the best player on the court. And, um, and this the, is your younger sister. Yeah, my younger sister. Colin. Okay, gotcha. gotcha and yeah. um, so she'd be like, Pippen's daughter would be like 25 now. How old's my sister? 25. I don't yeah. even know if that's Larsa's daughter. I don't think it uh, is. Maybe, yeah, I think that's Actually, I know for sure it's not because this was my next part of it. Um, this was like an out of wedlock situation where mm. they didn't really get along, but then she threw Pippen on her back for scouting purposes. Like when she okay. was starting, when she started, and then they were like relationship was coming together, but apparently like she hated her dad. Like, like Scotty wasn't a good dude. Uh. I know you don't want to hear this stuff about like, they all have like, it's just a weird world and it's, it's tough to judge them all. I don't know the whole backstory and everything like that. And there's just, yeah, you, you know, I remember hearing stuff. It is about- tough. It is tough because like fatherhood, the type of parent or just a parent being present at all is usually the barometer of like, is a person good or bad? You know, like if you were, if you had Maddie and Dylan and you did not acknowledge them or support them, we'd be like, oh, Joe's a shitty guy. But that happens to famous men a lot. 
And it's like, well, they're, I mean, Tom Brady left a pregnant girlfriend and like, I'm sure he takes care of that child, but it is like, yeah, that's a fucked up thing to do. And if you were not a famous quarterback, that would be the one thing we judge you on instead of all your dumbass rings and you kissing your son on the mouth. Yeah. It was, I don't know which son was that the son? No, no, no. This was like Bridget Moynihan, who's like a, you know, had a pretty great career going for herself. Uh, I mean, she's on Blue Blood still. She making, she is making bank. bank. She's not making Giselle bank, but she, she was not on the come up. She just saw a hot quarterback dick and loved him. Yeah, they, um, I looked into that because remember at the time, they were like, holy shit, how could he leave Bridget Moynihan? And then obviously Giselle's unreal too. But they, uh, Brady and Moynihan broke up. And then she found out she was pregnant. So it wasn't like, I kind of felt bad for the way the media took off with the idea that like, I'm pregnant. And he was like, peace. That's not really how it went down. But people were kind of like, uh, I think the backstory was that maybe he had cheated on her. That's why they mm-hmm. broke up. And mm-hmm. then he found out she was pregnant. And then maybe she was like, well, let's give it another chance. He's like, well, I cheated on you because I, I already cheated on you. So it's yeah. kind of like, I want to get, I don't know. And I'm sure that kid, oh, that kid is Bridget Moynihan and Tom Brady. Like that's some great Irish genes right there. We, you and I have to appreciate that, especially uh, as his, as his parents. So I, I, I don't even know if it's a okay. boy or a girl. Uh, I don't know. I thought it was a boy for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. Isn't this crazy too? I was just like, I'm not going to talk shit about any athletes. I don't like anymore. Like if there, I told CJ, I was like, if there was a Patriots documentary, a la last dance, I don't know. I don't know if I could watch that to be honest. That's different. You guys had way like the Bulls and Pacers faced each off one time in the playoffs, and it was epic. Of course, it was a seven game series. So, or no, we we faced other times. I'm talking about like during the Bulls dynasty. So mm-hmm. it wasn't really like a rivalry like the Colts and Patriots because mm-hmm. Manning and Brady were one and one a every year they were in the league together essentially as quarterbacks most years at least. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. just that's way that's that's just different to me. I mean, what you guys face like four times in the title game. AFC a lot. Yeah. I mean, it, it would, and then they would have us play every year on prime time. You know, it was just, and, and when you think about the, like the cast of characters, Phil Jackson is such a very likable person in this documentary. It really is. And I, I think it, you would be hard pressed to have a bunch of Patriots. I think you'd be hard pressed to get like three that felt like awesome on camera. Yeah, Belichick I, included. You know, I, like that's a really. Uh, I, I came out of listening to the Aaron Hernandez documentary, being like, uh, "Listen, he obviously it's uh, had a very, very dark, scary, bad things going on. He is a semi sympathetic character based on his childhood and a lot of things that happened to him at a young age." I came out of it like with that and hating Belichick more. Like I was like, I've part of me has softened on Aaron Hernandez, but I still hate Belichick more. The man who did not even commit the murders. Yeah. I can't imagine Belichick coming off even remotely likable in any kind of documentary, the Mm -mm. Phil Jackson stuff. And I like Phil even more. The, when they cut to him in the seventies being this big, like he was like a stoner. He was like a jock hippie. And that combination is just kind of cool. I've always liked that idea of like, oh no, you could love basketball and still be about people. 
love and all that kind of shit. Mm -hmm. The idea that mm -hmm. if you're into sports, you can't be into music or you can't be into pop. Like, so I always hated people who were like that. Cause we've met so many people in comedy, these fucking like alt nerds who are like, I don't like sports. I'm more into this. And you're like, fuck off. Yeah. But then they like love wrestling and it's like, that is, that's your sport. That's, yeah, that's fine. your shit. That's, you know, whatever. And I'm not knocking wrestling. It's entertaining too, but you can't compare it. Um, I went on a website I shouldn't have, and I keep getting pop-ups, and it's really fucking annoying me. Anyhow, I want to no. just um, we're gonna wrap it up pretty soon because I know it's what am I talking about? It's late where I am. It's early where you are. Anyhow, though, uh, so yeah, Phil Jackson comes off awesome in this documentary. Jordan thought he was gonna be hated. I I feel like I like him even more now. Uh, there were the two episodes before this past Sunday, the end of episode seven. I got fucking goosebumps because I love the idea mm -hmm. of him getting emotional about how he was perceived where it's like, and all his teammates, mm -hmm. all his teammates were like, yeah, he was an asshole. He was a piece of shit. But at the end of the day, yeah, he was a great teammate too. He did make us better, blah, blah, blah. When he said, I didn't push anyone. Maybe I pushed people who don't want to get pushed. Maybe I did this, 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 mm -hmm. but I never mm -hmm. did anything I wouldn't do. And then it cuts to like a montage of all the role players celebrating the championships. You're know, like Bill Weddington and Kerr hugging and Bushler high five. Mm -hmm. So all those guys getting, part of the glory and then it cuts to him and he you could tell he's like all right break and you could tell he got emotional like he had to walk away mm -hmm. the director said so that scene i loved then at the end of episode eight they show him winning on father's day and i fucking mm -hmm. lost it i was like mm -hmm. bawling i wasn't bawling like he was because everyone knows the famous image of him hugging the basketball on the ground i never heard the audio before the audio yeah. he's sobbing hard yeah. Like I, that is like, that is a whole new kind of sobbing. You know what I mean? That's, that's a, that's a, you know, everyone likes to joke that Jordan is a sociopath. That alone was like, no, he's not. He's just competitive on a level that no human being really is on, but I don't think he's a sociopath. Mm -hmm. Sociopaths don't feel, they don't cry their eyes out for um, their parents. And some people might be like, oh, well, that's the dad. What was your take on Gus, the security guard? I know they had to have gotten you. Oh fuck Gus. That's why the Pacers lost game 7. I'm watching I'm watching Gus truly like we my fucking childhood got ruined cuz of Gus. This dog I'm never going to meet. I don't give a damn about Gus. I totally <laughs> thought you were going to be like, "Oh, his security no. answer. He was this nice No, old. truly. I was like, I cannot believe he concocted this fucking lung cancer Gus story to make him beat the Pacers. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was, I, I didn't, I, listen, I, I was like, I'm I thought you were like Gus's sweet wife. They kept cutting to Gus's sweet I like wife. Gus's wife. I like Gus's wife, but you think I'm going to have a positive, you think I'm going to care about the man that it was the result of the Pacers losing? Nah, get out of here, Gus. You know, Gus's wife looked like she was in a really, really nice house. Yeah. And I bet I bet yeah. Jordan I bet Jordan paid for that. I love Gus's wife. I'm happy Gus did not pass away, but I'm pissed that he didn't come back to work. I don't know, maybe the series before that would have been helpful for me. So I'm also pissed that Gus's oncologist who didn't clear him to go back to work. Oh man. I, I, At the I, end of episode eight, I was like you know, when they show Reggie and you kind of like know that that's going to be the, the next episode in the timeline. I was like, I just don't know if I'm going to be able to watch this because I, I thought it was going to be like 
too upsetting and they really I know you guys think that it was like a Pacers episode but I was like I want more Pacers like when they were just like they split five and six I'm like I want to see games five and six but I know that we had to talk about Steve Kerr's dad being assassinated so it really was an intense episode I rewatched it today because I just wanted to make sure I hadn't like missed any of the Pacers fun and yeah I think the the best thing to come out of it Pacers wise is you see a, as far as opponents, Reggie really, really has Jordan's respect. And I think like as a player and a person, and I just think to me, Reggie is the greatest. And so I just want as many people as possible to like love him the way I do too. I guess when Reggie was a rookie, Jordan said something like, your sister's better than you. She should be on this court or some shit like that. So I think it's pretty hilarious. I believe that. I believe that. Totally. And I I think that that's, that Reggie, that's been the thing that he lived with his whole life was like how good his sister was. But he loves Cheryl so much. I mean, he told C and I that his favorite moment of being her brother was watching her win a gold medal. Aw. Yeah, everyone, you got to check out one of the episodes of The Greatest, the podcast we mentioned a little bit earlier with Megan and CJ. They had Reggie Miller on, which is so fucking cool. Yeah. Uh, was that we like... Talked, we talked about The Last Dance, and I think, like, he obviously has lots of love and respect, and he said they had a complicated relationship, but I think they had a complicated relationship because Reggie truly was not afraid of him, whereas yeah. most everyone else was. I mean, yeah, it, for sure. But, but it did, I hope you, and I like said this to CJ too, I hope you guys know how lucky you are to get documentaries about the teams you love. Like, I I love that Pacers 90s team so much, and I know we got winning time, but like, this is a 10-part documentary that's rehashing like everything that happened um, in your childhood that you love. And when they were showing Indianapolis last night and they're showing these like crazy hillbillies yelling and the drum and they really portray it as this like kind of piece of shit hick town with people screaming. And it's like, yeah, but that's a place that I love and I'll never get a documentary that, that treats it with the love and care that you guys got about Chicago. Yeah, um, I was I was beaming with uh, Chicago Pride last night after the final episode. The line in which Jordan says they have to come through Chicago, they still have mm-hmm. to come through Chicago, and the way he said it with that—that's I hated it. I about. hated that. <laughs> yeah, but it's you, you got to admit it's a pretty fucking cool line. Um, but oh yeah, yeah my Cubs so, are going to get a documentary eventually. They're doing I a know, and like one th- in June, they're going to get a, a Cubs one. Um, Cleveland is going to get an amazing one someday. And I just hope, like, I grew up, these are the teams that I grew up loving. I still love the Pacers. I still love the Colts. I live in L.A., so I I root for the Lakers because they're in a different division. I didn't have baseball. I like the Dodgers now. But, like, I am still a fan of the two teams that I grew up with, and I'll never not be a fan of them, despite the fact that they are not these storied incredible franchises that will have documentaries about them. Well, yeah, you have to have loyalty. That's the fun thing about sports. Like here's my team and I'm ride or die with them. I'm going to stick with them. 
CJ likes players. And it's like, yeah, of course. What a, what a convenient way to feel. Oh, you like LeBron? That, that seems that seemed awesome. It's like I'm yeah, go from Jordan were... to LeBron. And I like LeBron a lot. And I really hope that people could stop the comparison and just enjoy the shit out of both of them. Because like LeBron's obviously one of the greatest players of all time and an amazing human being by any account. Uh, so yeah, definitely. And there'll be a great documentary about him one day. I just oh, wish it'll be people amazing. Would, the fucking, like the most annoying people on Twitter are, I don't know if it's Bernie supporters or LeBron supporters. And I'm sure the other people think the opposite. They think it's Jordan supporters and whoever they don't, whoever, you know, Trump or whatever, or Bernie. I don't know. Yeah. I just, but also social media will show you the shit just to piss you off. Every time I log on to Twitter, someone I don't follow is talking shit about like the bulls in that era. And it kills me because these LeBron fans that are 15 years old, they act like evolution started the year he came into the league. You know what I mean? This idea that like, oh, athletes in 1999 couldn't compete today. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Kevin Garnett was a rookie in 95 and was a stud still in 2014. What the fuck do you mean they couldn't, you know? I do think uh, that uh, obviously Jordan is beloved. LeBron is beloved. Something that the documentary touched on, on briefly, but I do think is important in the context of when you're thinking about both of them. LeBron has really put himself out there politically, culturally. He he has opened himself up to an entire part of the country hating his views in a way that Jordan never did. And so I think you can ride for LeBron harder when you are in that sort of ideological mindset, because he said, you're a bum to the most evil fucked up human being on the planet. You know, like that's like, you just, if someone's going to like go for, go to bat and open a school for like black kids that don't have a damn school and like really be a face and a voice of black lives matter, you are going to be annoying about your love for him because he is like, he is hoisting up a community. Yeah. I mean, I agree with everything you said there. I don't think you need to be wrong about stats and revisionist history with <laughs> what happened. I mean, I don't think that takes away from like his humanitarian efforts obviously are, are phenomenal. Uh, and and I, I do think times are just so different where I think if Jordan was a player in today's game, I feel like maybe he would be more politically inclined. But there's a great article that Craig Hodges wrote because Craig Hodges is, was like political back then when no one was. And a lot mm -hmm. of people think he didn't. Get, and he didn't he didn't he didn't go to the White House. Yes. Yeah. Um, and he got uh, they think he got Kaepernick before said. Kaepernick yeah. because he yeah. was outspoken as like all hell. And didn't get and his when his contract ended with the Bulls, the Bulls didn't resign, and then no one resigned. And mm -hmm. everyone's like, "How the fuck is this mm -hmm. possible?" This was a guy who won the three point contest three years in a row and was a, a great role player off the bench and a, and a three point shooter yeah. is too, which every team needs. So, uh, and they asked him about. But they're not going to they're not going to blacklist Jordan, you know? Like if he no, yeah, had, they wouldn't do that. And he and he would and try to get I think Jordan. LeBron. I think LeBron feels that way. Too. Like if I'm not going to stand up and say something, like they can't they can't Kaepernick LeBron. Yeah, uh, that's true. Yeah, once you get to that level, you can't. Although I was disappointed with the LeBron about the China thing. He was kind of he back he backtracked on I that. Know. that the whole NBA oh did, though, which pissed everybody off. <laughs> we went to, we were at a, I think it was Lakers Clippers, and there was like, a, they're showing kids dancing on the big screen, and they cut to a little boy, and then he like immediately stops dancing and like drops a towel, and he has a shirt that says, I stand with Hong Kong. And the cameraman 
turned away from him so fast he fell over and the camera's like shaking all over the place i yeah i mean that it's it's tough the nba is the most woke of the leagues but china is obviously still a very much a blind spot in their financial holdings internationally for sure yeah they make so much money from china that none of them fuck with it they Uh just like the economics of it i mean you think about the shoes all the shoes are made there and they profit so much off of those um and this Jordan stuff's going to be even crazier now. Like, I was excited for this documentary because I was like, this generation could see the mindset of Jordan because being a dire fan, I've read every piece of anything written about him. But even there was so much stuff I didn't know. But did you know this? Last year, 2019, LeBron's, Kobe's, like Harden, uh, KD, uh, Curry, all of their shoe sales combined didn't match Jordan's for that calendar year. Like, well, it's yeah. I nuts. mean, Air Jordan is... Nike. Yeah, true. But it's still crazy that a guy who hasn't played in yeah. nearly 20 years is still selling like this. It's still such a, a freak thing. And um, I, we'll, we'll end on this because I know you wanted to go into sports journalism, uh, which I don't think is what it is now. Because when I, I think now there's just so much access that things aren't as crazy and special. I don't think – maybe I'm wrong. But I think of the scene maybe in episode four or something like that where he talks about like – this isn't a life you want to live because it shows him in mm-hmm. his hotel room where it's like, this is the only piece I get. Mm-hmm. He's going down the elevator and the elevator door is open. Nobody's in front. The door is just open and around the corner is when there's a mob of people. Yeah. But the door is open and the people must know that the elevator open. You just hear screaming, freaking out, you know, Beatlemania. And he gets off and it's just this mob. I don't think, I don't think superstars go through that right now. I don't think people are hunting them down like that because it's just like, oh, we have all the access. We know what's on their mind. We know what they like. They'll tag themselves at a restaurant. We know what, like, things they're into. It's Taco Tuesday in LeBron's house. Like, I just feel like because it was less access because the internet wasn't as prevalent, there was no social media, it meant that the sports journalism was way more on top of you. I mean, they're chasing Rodman through the United Center. Do they do that now? Mm -hmm. I don't know if they do. I think they just have more access now yeah um but i also think that when they're on the road when they're like going into their hotel rooms like or walking into the hotel there's the lakers there's people outside everywhere i think it depends like what team you're on i think if you're lebron i mean cj like stood outside of a blaze pizza for like four hours to try and meet lebron oh wow well i know man one of the guys that timothy o'toole's this dude, Rashid, you'd probably know him if you saw him. One of the doormen of tools worked security for LeBron. He worked security for a lot of like the big names. Um, he's a manager of tools now as well, but uh, he was LeBron's and he like, there was like pictures that he shared like on Facebook or Instagram or something where it shows him like walking alongside LeBron. He's like six, six. So he's almost his height. And it didn't seem like that crazy a mob scene. It was like LeBron going into like underground or LeBron going to like RPM mm-hmm. or, you know, one of the big restaurants. Mm-hmm. And there was like people, but it didn't seem like that level of fame that, and I've been watching a lot of documentaries about stuff before like the internet, like that. You remember the band Oasis? There's a documentary about them on Netflix mm-hmm. They did a festival, not a festival, they did their own concert in England, 250,000 people. 
It was like the most insane yeah. thing ever, like the biggest crowd ever. Like it was just madness. And they were showing like all these Kate Moss in the crowd, all these famous like celebrities and all the biggest names in England at the time. Hugh Grant, like, you know, he looks like a dork back then too. Um, it, and it just seemed like bigger. And people were, were and the, the general threat is like before shit was just a bigger deal. Now there's so much access and so many options that things, I mean, to, obviously to CJ's a diehard basketball fan, but to the average person, it's yeah i'm just wondering was it harder back then with the amount or is it harder today with the with fucking the 24-hour access i don't know i I guess i I I think it's harder i think it's harder today because i think you as a person are under scrutiny so intensely and i also think this idea of like sacred cows where jordan very much in the chicago media was untouchable that does not exist anymore like, it does not matter what market you're in. They're not going to, like, I don't think if you're in Salt Lake City, they're going to seek out trying to trash their own players. But there is no, like, hey, let's give him a pass. Uh-uh. If someone gets arrested, that's, like, that's going in the news. If someone is getting a divorce, that's going in the news. Like, every single thing, every facet of all of these people's lives are, like, so in your face. What they are buying, what they're tweeting, everything, that I think it's a lot harder now. Yeah, I think a lot of that's TMZ. It's you can't get away with anything because everybody's their own reporter. You know, if you're out in public, yeah. you could film it instantly. Yeah, but then instantly. okay, I mean, who was the NBA player who accidentally took a video of his girlfriend sucking his dick and put it on Instagram Live? You know, like that didn't Instagram didn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> and they were getting their dick sucked, but they weren't. They couldn't take videos and accidentally upload them. Yeah, I don't know. I was just trying to think if it was a little bit harder in the sense that everything was more focused on you because there was less things to focus on. Like I was saying I before, like, like the finals ratings are way lower. It's like half the people watch, but half people watch everything anyway. Like um, I looked this up recently. The number one sitcom like last year, I think, was Modern Family, which is a funny show. I think they got like 12 million an episode, yeah. which is considered huge. If a show in 1997 had 12 million, they'd probably get canceled. Seinfeld was getting like 35, 40 million an episode. The NBA Finals had like 75 million people. Now they get like 25 million. It's yeah, but think okay, but then like think about the girl who was on Modern Family who has like big boobs and was like why like had like all of this like crazy uh, like people commenting on her body as like a young child and all of these weird like things she had to go through. Nobody on Seinfeld, you know, like. That's people true. hounding Newman's body weight. Like, it's just, we're, we just feel this right to know everything and then to also give our opinion on everything. Yeah, the, like, definitely. need to comment something negative on posts is a mental illness that all of us have. Yeah, people I get caught don't up even in know. it. I get caught up it's in like, it, too. Why'd you, I, I post a picture of me, I'm in a bikini, I look great. Someone goes, I don't like your sunglasses. Look at my tits. What are you looking at? What are you talking about? Get By the way, when did, that, when did that become a thing? I've noticed that because a lot of people are doing, not a lot, but the pe- pe- women I follow were doing like TBTs of like bathing suit season. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, oh, I can't wait to go back on the beach again. Here's me on the beach last year. When did that become a thing where like the side goes so up? Where it's the bikini bottom. It's just, is, yeah, it's just trends. Just trends. Yeah. You know what I love about women's bikinis? 
when I was younger, I'm like, oh, it'd be cool if they were smaller. And every single year, that's that's happened for me. So I want to thank. And now they're kind of bigger. Well, bikinis. But now there's like thongs. Yeah, but Women now wear thongs. Well, oh, yeah, there's thongs. There's thongs. But then there's high waisted. There's high waisted ones now. Yeah, but I kind of like high waisted because it shows more. I like thighs. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the no, the I'm, female I'm, physique is beautiful. Damn beautiful. straight. Damn straight. I think that's 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 why I find it so insane to say negative things about it. Oh, like when someone has a bad body and they go like, boo, your body's ugly? No, even beautiful bodies. And it's like, I mean, you know, when Lady Gaga did the Super Bowl and people were like, she looks fat. It's like, what are you talking about? That's insanity. You know, those are just miserable fucks out there who have to just... But that's that's like a... Now, everyone is their own reporter, their own journalist, and they can comment and say whatever they want about anybody, even if they have an avatar that is an eagle and a skull and crossbones and zero followers, they get to put whatever hateful nonsense they want to into the world. I know that's the and, worst thing is, but, it is everyone an opinion. But, but thank you. I mean, you're my fans, you know? Yeah. <laughs> thanks for, thanks for your input. You got to learn to just not, whether it's a good compliment, good comment or a bad comment to just not let them affect you either way, which is hard. Yeah, they say so don't hard. read any, they are like, you have to read all of it or none of it. What do you do? Be honest. I read, I read it all. Yeah. I get it. And and listen, sometimes they got some good points. I am annoying. Listen, I've heard it. I feel it. I know it. My husband says it too. You think you're going to watch a five-minute clip of me and be the first person that comes to that realization? Like, I know, dog. I'm working on it. I don't think you're annoying. You're not. Your stand-up isn't annoying. People find my stand-up to be very annoying. Oh, really? And you know what's another... No, but look, sad. women get way more shit yes, online because that's the internet was invented by sad men. So it's like they're, oh, I get to fucking... This is like a sad phenomenon too. I never... I think we're... Everyone is has heard their voice on an answering machine and been like, well, you know, like that's just like a common human thing. When I started doing stand-up that people could see in like large masses... Um, every negative comment is about my voice, how bad my voice is, how much they hate my voice. And then I've started seeing friends of mine, like during quarantine, girls that are not um, stand-ups, just moms and their kid or their baby or their dog is doing something and they're taking a video of it. And then they post the video and they're like, so-and-so walked for the first time today. Sorry about my annoying voice in the background. And like, we've been programmed to think that like, our, our high-pitched voice or the voice that we just talk in is annoying. And it's like, I've never heard a man be like, sorry for my voice in the background. Like we have just been like, oh, our voice takes up space. It is not pleasant on the ears. And we have to apologize for it before even someone says anything negative because we know that they're thinking it. Yeah, that's, that's something I've never put any thought to. I, it's really sad. That is sad, but I've never thought, see, I just grew up around... You have like a Midwest voice to me. And I grew up around Midwest voices. So I've never thought anything of your voice. I really never have. I'm not just saying that. I've never had to kiss your ass. You know me. I like to give you shit all the time. But I just never, uh, it just sounds like a vocal voice. Fry, vocal fry is like so triggering for men on the internet. I, the only type of voice that I find annoying, but I wouldn't comment if I heard a voice like that, is like that... Um, what was that woman, Fran Drescher type of voice? Oh, I yeah, I love, that, yeah. I'm not, I'm not a fan of that kind of voice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, but that's, uh, a, that's a, it's a character. 
Yeah, exactly. It's not. I've I've never really met anyone like that for real. Um, I've heard annoying laughs. Yeah, for sure. But you know, if someone's laughing, you're not going to be a dick about it. Although some people would be. Um, some people are. Yeah. We know people that have banned people from going to comedy shows because of their laugh. Drew Michael, Julie Lou Wilson. I'll say their names. <laughs> she, <laughs> she knows it. He fucking knows it. Um, anyway, though, I uh, real quick, I was watching Modern Family the other day, and um, it was early episode. Not early, but it was like right before the one girl blew up, you know? Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's dating the guy who plays her brother. Huh. The one, so like the middle sister, there's three kids the one yeah. family has. Yeah, because the oldest sister is marrying Wells from Bachelor Nation. Well, she's like sick. She's got some disease type of thing. She may have like lupus or something. She's been ill for a while. Um, yeah. Mm. And um, anyway, and, but the middle sister, the one that everyone went nuts about because she just got, she developed, you know, because she was young. Yeah. And, on TV. Uh, on TV. And I guess she's dating the, the actor who plays her brother. It's just like fine, but it's weird to the public. It's like, okay, a little strange. Didn't the um didn't Jason Bateman date his real life sister on a show? Oh yeah, that was a gag. They um on Arrested Development, his real life sister, who was the oldest daughter on Family Ties. Yes, Justine. And then, Bateman. and then De- on Dexter. Um, him and his sister on the show in real life were married. That's true. That but is... then, but then got divorced, and then I still think had to work together. They did. They did like two more seasons together. Yeah, that's tough. Also, were you a Game of Thrones fan? Yeah. So the uh, what's the fucking like the I hated her so much. Uh, Cersei or Sensei or oh Sansa, the one who becomes queen, not the redhead. Daenerys. Not Daenerys. That's the dragon. The little. Mother. You mean the little Stark? Not the none of the Starks. The one. Um, she's a Lannister. She, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. She becomes. She's queen. Yeah. And yes, you know, yes, she's yes. the one who had to walk naked and all that shit. Yeah. Um, Love her. Yeah, she was dating for a while, or even maybe married to at one point. The guy who played one of the dragons. Yeah, one of the CGI dragons, Megan. Good one. <laughs> um. One of the fucking dudes, not a good-looking guy at all. And they had to make sure they were, like, they, they purposely had to not write scenes for them. They had to keep him out of any potential scene. Oh, because they were dating and then broke up? And it was a bad breakup. Oh, and this was no. the, before the show, though. Or, or maybe, like, during season one. Oh. I don't know. It was, what fucking guy was it? I think Jon Snow ended up with the wildling, right? Yeah, the redhead. Oh, she's so I love that. Uh, she's Whoa. really hot. Um... No, she's got a Scottish accent. I didn't know I was into Scottish accents on women, but I guess I am. Uh, what the fuck is her name? And she she was naked in one scene, and she's got a good body. Um, yeah. She's like, you know nothing, Jon Snow. Ah, uh, fuck. I don't know. I, I, I want to rewatch that show. I want to rewatch that show. Uh, well, Megan, any, I'm trying to think of any last thoughts I wanted to get out of you over this documentary. Because it was really cool to see someone who didn't like them to be like, they're great. Oh, Dennis Rodman came out awesome in this too he came out in a way where it's like yes dennis Rodman couldn't get away with that shit now twitter would not be cool with a star player disappearing to go to vegas mid-season um it just showed you what kind of like i don't know i do have to say everyone who i have talked to who's like i'm not really this is a comedian phenomena that's like yeah i'm not really like a sports fan i love dennis rodman and then they just like want a giant pat on the back and it's like yeah every kid who was like a little left of center liked Dennis Rodman. He 
bit moving. They yeah. every they just want a giant fucking trophy for liking a, a very funny cool man. But you know, I saw him um re, within the last three years, and he's not in a good place. Yeah, I've heard. I mean, he's, he was hanging out with Kim. He Jong-un wasn't that over. night. He wasn't in a good place that night. He was with hookers screaming. Um, yeah, it was wild. It was um, it was kind of like sad to see him that way. He doesn't strike me as a guy who saved his money very well either. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I would hope he's probably that on he doesn't. I would almost hope he doesn't have like expensive taste. As bad as that sounds, he did in the nineties. He wore pajama pants every day. Yeah. It seemed like. Which was a sweet look in the late 90s, early 2000s. Dudes would wear pajama pants. I do have to say, and I know you'll probably not agree with this, I do feel bad for Jerry Krause in the sense that, like, he's not here to, like, say his reasoning. And I I just think it's, like, tough for the villain of a documentary to be someone who's no longer living. And, like, villain in the sense, like, if, you know, when, when Trump dies i'm not gonna be like well he didn't get to tell us his. it's like this was a man who was like running a business in the way that he thought he was supposed to and he did not do anything like inherently evil he just didn't want phil jackson there anymore and he was the one that found phil jackson he discovered phil jackson without cross you don't have phil jackson they did seem pretty like they're they were pretty hard on him oh very hard and poor how about scott burrell (laughs) Yeah. It was, it became comical how often he would do a callback. Even in episode like 10, there'd be like, uh, don't fucking give shit to Scott Burrell though. Like it would yeah, be something. Yeah. It's like, my God. Well, oh, oh, this is, oh, these are my, oh, I loved when Scott Burrell's um, college teammates came. That was so, that was Yeah, Michael was super cool to them. Yeah. And it's also interesting, too. So, like, I've always thought of Ahmad Rashad as this, like, famous sportscaster, famous sports reporter. In a way, when you watch the documentary, you're like, oh, he's Michael's best friend. And so he got all of this access to the most famous athlete in the world, which then made him a famous sports reporter. Like, if you were Michael Jordan and I was your friend, I am now Ahmad Rashad. Like, I don't (laughs) – I think Ahmad Rashad really benefited professionally from being his friend. Well, I talked about this a couple podcasts ago, I believe. I didn't really dig deep into it, though. Do you know that Ahmad Rashad, when he got married to um, Claire Huxtable, I forget the actress's (laughs) name, Mm -hmm. O.J. Simpson and Bill Cosby were two of his groomsmen? Ooh, that's a... Jordan Jordan was not. They weren't friendly like that at the time. But uh, Ahmad Rashad played in the NFL and was a pro bowler a couple times. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I know he was like an athlete, but he definitely is a famous reporter because he was Jordan's best friend. Oh, definitely. I mean, at the time, it was such a great like collision of the NBA inside stuff was a new show. At the same time, the NBA was becoming the most popular thing. You know, but like how how kind of nice and convenient for Jordan that the person that is doing his interviews, his tell-alls is also his friend. You know, like he's not going to get, that's not an unbiased news outlet. I mean, I wonder what harder questions, was it all softball questions? Was anyone ever home going, ask him this, you know? I don't know. Yeah. I I guess it was a different time then because when you would see like Connie Chung interviewing him, you were like, oh yeah, she's getting after him. 
Yeah, I don't think people were trying to make Jordan cry in an interview or try to, like, get him. I just think what was cool about this is, yeah, I mean, he was hard on his teammates to talk and shit to Scott Burrell. Uh, I don't know. Some of it just made me laugh because it became comical. All the memes going around about Jordan being this, like, psychotic person in which it's like, so uh, the guy stepped on my shoe, and so I decided to score 50 on him that night. Like, the way he was brainworked, and I think he's been big on that. His Hall of Fame speech, which people didn't like, but I loved, I loved it because your Hall of Fame speech is supposed to sum up who you were as a player. His summed it up perfectly. I was a guy that wanted to be challenged. I loved challenges. I loved competition. And anything I could use as motivation to get me to that place, I used. And so he mentioned all these people. And um, Scotty Pippen didn't come off so great toward the second four episodes. But the first four, Jordan gave him a lot of credit saying, hey, you know, he was one of the best teammates ever. And without him, I don't win these titles. But, you know, he missed those free throws against the fucking uh, mm-hmm. Utah and that one. Against us. Against well, no Pacers, and against yeah. the Pacers. And against fucking Utah. Yeah, he missed twice. He walked off the court against the Knicks, essentially. The headache game, migraine, whatever. Um, I think he's a sympathetic character in the sense of, like, he got financially fucked. He and did. that's really, like, once you feel for someone in that way, even though he was richer than all of us. We have 47 um, brothers once, and sisters. Once you are, yeah, and two, and his dad was in a wheelchair, brother in a wheelchair. It's like once you know someone's, like, financially being screwed, then, like, I just think that justifies all of his other behavior. Yeah, you, you, he makes it relatable. Uh, he did end up getting a big payday from the from Portland, though. And for the course of their careers, Pippen made more money than Jordan because Jordan was grossly underpaid during the first run with the Bulls that Reinsdorf kept paying him while he was playing minor league baseball. Yeah, Reinsdorf is a villain. Like, Reinsdorf got, he, Reins got, he got off easy, if you ask me, Reinsdorf. Yeah. He's like, I told Scotty not to take that deal. It's like, fuck you. That's your deal. You offered the deal. You're the boss. Like, yeah. Jerry Krause is just a soldier of the things that you want him to do. How do you not but, say to Krause, don't shut, why the fuck? I think what makes Krause such a villain is, I don't care if we go 82-0, this team is getting broken up. As a fan, when you hear that, you're like, no, fuck you, because championships are so hard to come by, and you're basically telling the fan base, I don't care, I don't care if they win. Doesn't matter. There's to me. no reason. There's no way he does that without Reinsdorf's blessing. At, I agree. At a minimum, that that could be Reinsdorf marching orders. You just yeah. so no. That's why yeah. I think it's sad he's not here to to say. Well, I I agree with you on that part. Um, I think even if he was here, maybe he might have come off worse. So maybe I mean, obviously, you'd rather him be alive. But I don't see. Do you think he will be remorseful? Do you think if he was alive, he'd be remorseful? Like, I would have done it this differently. I would have done this differently. Or would he have just doubled down and been like, no, I knew what I was doing and blah, blah, blah. And I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I guess that's the sad part. You don't find out. All right. Uh, Megan, thank you so much for fucking doing the podcast with me. Um, See, so you ran without a hitch, essentially. We had one little... When does when is Kilgallen's pub opening back up for the public? <sighs> when could I start... Liberate Kilgallen's pub. Liberate Kilgallen's <laughs> pub. How, how are you? Like, real, real quick, last uh, tidbit here. And um, and I like how uh, generous you've been with everything. Um, thank you for, you know, you gave Nicole a nice steak dinner. That was really sweet of you. Um, you're, you're buying, uh, anyone who wanted to watch Scoob, you were going to pay for. 
Uh, do you watch Scoob? Was Scoob any good? I watched Scoob. I really liked the first 20 minutes and then it kind of fell off the rails for me. But I know I, I do feel like the families I bought it for loved it. <laughs> I would hope so. So everyone, Megan Gailey has been a real uh, generous person uh, during these tough times on everybody. When do you think anything's coming back? I have no idea. Like in our world, you can stand comedy. You know, I I have shows that were rescheduled for the fall, and I think that those probably don't happen. I think I think stand up comedy will be will will be twenty twenty one. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand how it would work. Someone made a good point today about how even when things open back up and there's like caps, they're not going to let a comedy club thing happen because there's the best ones are intimate and tight. And people are yeah. laughing out loud. When you laugh, all the spit's coming out. You yeah. mean, every comedian knows this, and I'm sure you've seen it. The, the lights are on us. So we have mm-hmm. a different view of the audience than the audience even has of us. I've seen spit myself. Everywhere. Yeah, I've seen spit coming out of my own mouth. Where I remember one time being in the middle of a joke, killing, of course, being like, damn, do I spit mm. this much when I talk? Fuck, mm-hmm. I am like drenching these people in the front row, but they don't know it. They're all looking up, be like, ah, it's funny. But yeah, yeah. when you think about like the stuff that like you want to do soon, you know, eating, shopping, whatever, beach, whatever it is, like sitting in a room with a bunch of strangers laughing is not going to be on anyone's list. No, it doesn't sound fun at all. Sounds like fucking shit. Um, so we're just going to wait and I don't know. All right, Joe, well, I love right. you. Love you, too. Everyone follow Megan on uh, Instagram at Better Megan Gailey. That's probably the main one you want people to follow you on, right? Twitter. Also, the I podcast. Twitter, too. You have two podcasts, The Greatest and Hysteria, which mm-hmm. is uh, just women like crying about shit, I think, right? And then um, yeah. <laughs> just being a dick. Uh, it's on Crooked it. Media, which is fucking huge. That's like the, the mothership of fucking podcast networks. So everyone, uh, check that shit out. And uh, thank you for listening to Kill Gallons Pub. Cheers. And then I would edit and cut right here. Megan, thank Kill you. Kill Gallons Pub. Kill Gallons Pub. I'm glad I'm still recording that. <laughs>